everybody say. Uh, just want to um, preface the start of the Chabura uh, with um, the uh, sort of desire to focus it um, as a Zechuser for Shlema, for uh, my good friend uh, Eddie Freeman, who has to undergo a surgery this week. Uh, as Hashem, everything is very hopeful, everything should be well, but he asked that we have in mind if anybody can include Natilas for Eliezer Ben Dvora Golda, and that ties also the art site of my Chavar from the Yeshiva, my great esteemed Chavar, Chaim Michal Ben Abram Abramson. It should be a Sikhus Lunishmose as well. So I hope everyone had a very enjoyable Yomtif and uh, that we'll be getting together quite often. Of course, the when we have a small group, it's an opportunity for a lot of good interactions. So, of course, the topic um, is quite a powerful one. My actions, my values, my goals, who am I? Um, so that's something that we could um, hope to finish in one session, we're just trying to make a start. Um, the, the topic was sort of inspired by a comment that I heard from one of my good friends. That's uh, we're going to say for the moment. Um, but it also was uh, helped along very much by something that we came across in Ben Yona, the uh, morning shear that's still going on, where uh, he makes a distinction between someone who didn't have air only one time, where there the Chua process could start right away with harata, his regret and remorse, and he gives many a good, powerful considerations of why a person can and should regret his uh, spiritual failures. He was lacking in compassion for himself, lacking in good proper understanding to realize that there are bound to be consequences that um, far outweigh whatever benefit he was trying to achieve through the wrongdoing. It's a great, great failure. Talks about trading off Olam Haba for Olam Hazet. Not a very good deal for himself. And how in, Nisham was given to a person to rule over the body and he allowed the body to rule over the neshama. It's uh, such a total failure. And all these considerations, he says, can be employed right away by someone who didn't have Eira one time. But by contrast, if someone already was in the habit of doing something many times and very much desirous of those bad behaviors, then he cannot start the tshuva with the regret and remorse for his past very failed behavior. He has to start it with aziva, with abandoning it in the future, which he describes in, as being a very full, complete cutting ties with that behavior. Well, you're abandoning it even in your even in your thoughts 
You have no desire for it anymore. You know clearly that this is not worth it. This is not good for you. That on the contrary, nothing to gain, only to lose. He's totally committed to changing his lifestyle, and he has essentially accomplished that. The Rambam says that the person um, should, should be possible for Hashem to testify. Before Hashem say, of course, does not mean testifying about the future that will never recur. The person still has Bechira, but it means he should take Hashem as his witness, that he's not going to do this anymore. It means such a full, complete break that this is not part of my life. And he's confident of that. He could take Hashem as his witness. If the opportunity will arise again, he will have no desire. He will not desire the Avera. Um, I guess a way to sort of describe it would be he'd be totally fine with it not being even possible anymore. He wouldn't hold out the, the desire for it still to be possible. Oh, he has wants nothing to do with it. Finished. That has to come first. And he says, a muscle for this is, when a person goes to the mikvah, cannot go to the mikvah holding on to the sherets. Has to let go of the sherets. After he lets go of the sherets, then he can go to the mikvah. So we had a question. A person has such powerful clarity that he can really understand and believe and know for himself. He does not want to do this anymore, and he's completely finished and done with it. That's not just coming from some kind of a good, sincere desire to change. That's real clarity, real conviction. So a person understands so clearly that the Vera is not good, and he doesn't want it anymore. Why can't that come from the very outset, why can't that serve as the basis for Harata right from the beginning? Whatever reason he has to not do it anymore, he can have right away as whatever I did before was really very fails, very foolish. He knows clearly it was only bad for me, not good for me. That's why I don't want it anymore. So why does he have to first have Aziva, first cutting ties, first making this out of my life, then he can go back and look back at the past and say, oh, that was really not smart. That was not compassionate. That was not living in a successful way. That was a very, very failed kind of a behavior. I really wish I understood back then, but I understand now. So... We had the thought, the suggestion, that um, somehow a person is so connected to his own behavior that it wouldn't even be possible to have the full harata. It wouldn't be a real tshuva process taking place, even though he understands so well already now to the point that it's able to empower him to change his lifestyle until he's actually made that full, complete commitment and made himself into a new person. Like the Rambam describes, a, a, a suggestion for about Shuva is to change his name, as if to say, I'm not that person anymore. 
Because until he does that, until he makes that full break, this is not part of my life, I'm not that guy, then he cannot really look at himself with the full recognition that what I did was a failure. Because that's like too self-condemning. Too, too much, I don't know, conflict with himself. My, my, my recognition and my behavior are in such, such opposition. We won't be able to really be embraced. Has to be, I'm finished. That's not me anymore. But until that point, my past behavior is still me, still how I identify myself. I'm still connected to it, like the sheriffs. I'm still connected to the source of the, of the tumor in that case. I still have a connection until it's like totally cut off. So even though I know, I know all the good reasons to, to change, I can't really feel bad about what I did until I've already made the change, already made the break. So it would seem to be an, an illustration of how much a person identifies himself based on his actions, how closely connected we feel to our own behavior. And I think that this plays out in a lot of ways. Um, and the comment that uh, sort of triggered this, this topic was a, one of my good friends said that he has a hard time embracing even the very good positive messages that um, trying to analyze here and review and share over and over. Because he says there are things in my life, my own behavior, that don't match with it. So how can I embrace this ideology, this philosophy, that the Torah is all good for me, and I'm not living that way? <clears throat> so I ask you, Rabbi Said, to try to figure this out. I asked him also to figure it out, but he didn't get back to me. <laughs> he just has the sense that that's not how I'm acting. How can I really embrace this? And my hunch is that it's largely because of the fact that we define ourselves by our actions. And if this is my, my, my lifestyle, or it has been my lifestyle, then to embrace an understanding of Torah that will sort of not really allow for that in its true essence. If everything in the Torah is good, how can I step out? How can I act in a way that's harmful to myself? I had the thought that, you know, maybe it's especially harder when it's really good for me. Because if... You know, I'm looking at the Torah and Hashem as like school and the rules and the principle. So the, the school makes the rules and the kids try to get around it, you know. If they get caught, so they work it out. But I don't feel myself as I'm betraying my best friend if I don't follow the rules. But if Hashem is my best friend, the Torah is all for my good, then what am I doing? 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to abandon that. I'm going to turn my back on that. I'm going to be harmful to myself, give up all the good that's there. That maybe is harder. But I don't think it's just a matter of I'm afraid of, of this conflict. I'm afraid of, you know, feeling the Yetzir Tov is going to be too strong. <laughs> it's going to be too hard a battle between the Yetzir Tov and the Yetzir Ra. It's going to be uncomfortable. I don't think that's it. I think it's because to a very pervasive degree, we define ourselves by our behaviors. We like make, we make ourselves an identity. Like, I'm somebody who does this. I'm somebody who doesn't do that. Like you find these expressions, you know, shomer, not shomer. We look for ways of defining ourselves in a religious sense. And then somebody will present to me something that will really be good for me, attempting to be good for me, but it's not going to match with how I've defined myself. Then how can I embrace that? I'll feel it's false. I'll feel that's not the guy that I am. In effect, we will require a transformation, becoming a new person. That's asking a lot. So I'm eager to hear, Baisai, what your thoughts are on this. Do you, do you feel it's valid that people, or that we commonly define ourselves based on our actions? And is that really correct? Is there perhaps another better way? I can say for myself, I think there was a time that I was defining myself very much based on certain um, actions in the um, Torah profession. You know, somebody who does this and this, who teaches Torah, who gives a shir, etc. Of course, people define themselves based on their career. So I'm eager to hear anything that, you know, you can share with me on this, if you'd like. Um, Rabbi. Go ahead, Amisha. I just think it's a, it's a big ask because you, would, you, would you tell us to, just practically speaking in your interactions with other people, you're judging them by their actions. I mean, when you, let's say you, someone is going to, you're going to marry someone or someone's going to marry one of your children, you're, you're judging them on their, on their actions. I mean, you'd be crazy to like allow someone to marry your daughter. If it was like, he's obviously not talking about, he's, he's obviously not talking about his (laughs) in-laws. He's talking about for us, we should evaluate ourselves this way. (laughs) Just practically speaking, uh, like you wouldn't allow someone who's, who has, I don't know. I shouldn't say you wouldn't allow, but you'd be okay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be happy with somebody who wasn't practicing uh, all the good religious practices to, uh, yeah, to marry my daughter, right? So, like, how how can you how can we reconcile that? How is that consistent with? Uh, oh, but when we ourselves, you know, act like bums, what's the big deal? Oh, this is fascinating. Um, Tell me, where did you hear in what I presented that idea that if I act like a bum, what's the big deal? What, what, what did I say that sounded like that? 
not not that it, what's the big deal, but your your actions like they could almost be. It sounds like if you do X, Y, and Z sins, you know, yesterday, like you could just you know flip the switch today, and it's as if it never happened. Well, let's go very slow. Let's go very slow. I'm definitely not suggesting that it's in our power to flip to flip the switch. And in a certain sense, um, that relates very much to that sort of um, reservation or difficulty with embracing the good, positive messages. If there's an assumption, that there's an expectation to be able to flip the switch. So if anything, of course, it has to come along with the understanding that our actions can't be expected to be transformed as soon as we learn something that you know, teaches us that it would be a good idea <laughs> to make that transformation. Because we know that um, these things do take time. And how, how long it takes from my, from my clear understanding to impact my behavior, maybe you know, a little bit, but for it to, to be immediate transformation, is really not really logical to expect. Um, I'm afraid that the mere suggestion of not defining ourselves based on our actions carries with it the, the unintended connotation that, okay, that means the actions don't matter because I'm not going to be defined based on my actions, then, then who cares about them? It's almost like, I need to feel that I'm a good person based on my actions and a bad person based on my actions because otherwise, why would I do anything good and why would I not do anything bad? And if you're going to tell me, no, I'm good, I'm wonderful, I'm amazing, then it's like, okay, so then <laughs> what's the problem? I have no more need, I have no, no more worries, I'm no more, no, no more, no more drive, no more fear, everything is good. Robbie, just that's, a quick question. That's what, that's what I'm, I'm not suggesting that you necessarily meant that, but that's what it sounded like to me, which I, I suspect could happen. Rabbi, I have a quick question. Please, um, by all means. What, the labeling that you're referring to is wrong, and the, but the Torah labels very much. So, for example, Avram Avinu's label as a Baal Chesed due to his acts of Chesed. Yaakov is labeled Ishtam due to his acts of Tom and, and MS, he's, he's labeled as MS. Moshe Rabbein is Anav Mikol Adam. He's has a label of reaching the Madrig of Anav. Uh, Haman has a label of a Russia due to his actions of being a Russia. Mm -hmm. uh, Navi will have a label being a Navi to, to reaching the status of a Navi. I mean, the Torah is labeling people based on their, is, is giving people middles and statuses and levels based on their actions. So where is the wrong one? Where is the wrong label and where is the correct label? Oh, very good question. Very good question. And that's something that I think is really worthwhile for us to try to figure out. I don't know if we could do it right now on the spot. This might be, you know, something we could think about for a good amount of time. But if anybody does have a thought, I'm eager to hear of why is it that we undertake those kind of self-labeling labels? Why do we, you know, 
label ourselves or try to define ourselves? What is that really coming from? Is it just because we need to have some kind of an identity? We don't want to just be in doubt and in, in, in confusion. We want to have some way of like, you know, defining who we are. I heard more than one person say, well, of course, how else can you define yourself? By, 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 by your thoughts, and, you know, talk is cheap, you know, your thoughts are very, you know, flighty, you know, how else can you know who you are except by what you do? <laughs> and I'm, I'm not so okay with that kind of thing. Well, I, I, I understand I, 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 you're sure why not, but I'm not okay with that. Yes, go ahead, Ayelim. You, you set my shop over there. Can I just say that, first of okay. all? Okay, so please help him out, Dovi, help him out. No, I'm not helping him out. I, I'm just, uh, I want to reframe. You came, okay. you came with the perspective of like, does anyone here ever define themselves based on their actions? Can anyone like name a time where you felt like your <laughs> action or behavior was something that made you feel bad or good? Like, no, I didn't mean that, but go ahead. You, you came at it like almost like, oh, it's obvious that the not, that this perspective on actions and behavior is not defining a person or not having this weighty impact on a person is like wrong. And maybe like you, someone here will cop to that feeling once or twice in their life. So like, Maisha was like, like, where are you coming from? That's basically, I think what he was trying to say was like, what, what do you like? And you were like, Oh, what elicited that reaction from you that like you're, you're setting him up like backwards. He comes out like, I don't know what you're saying. And you're like, Oh, you, you obviously feel very strongly about this topic about actions. Like, yeah, we, we all define ourselves based on our actions. So like, so I'm just, I'm not really sure what, like what the starting point is. It's the, it's probably the most natural thing to base who we are on our actions. And I think the other perspective is if that's not true and shouldn't be the case, then how do we get out of that mindset or what can we do? Or was there any instances in our lives where we didn't define ourselves based on our actions? Like, well, well, let me ask you, let me ask you, do you think that the area of, um, of spirituality and religion is similar to other areas of life? Would you find another area of life that a person would say, I can't listen to this presentation of how to improve my business and make double the income because this is how I run my business. So this is how I do it and this is how I do it. So I can't hear what you have to share with me. Or I can't hear what you have to say about how to improve my, my parenting skills or my marriage, because this is who I am, this is how I do it. And then and I don't want to hear, I, I can't listen to that. People do that all the I time. Suspect, okay, well maybe because they're, they're they're resistant to change. They just, they just, they just can't imagine themselves changing. But this, it wouldn't this whole, be because I feel I'll, I'll be in conflict with what I heard if I don't employ those methods. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll feel bad about myself that I'm not employing them. So I'm afraid to even hear something that make me feel inadequate. What do you think is going on? Why? What, so you're asking based on the kind, like if someone will refuse to hear something based on their behaviors? I think that's that's in a um, in other aspects of life, people might be more open to hear that presentation of how they can improve their business or their their 
their family life, whatever it might be. But when it comes to religion, it's much more sensitive. It's much more like, this is who I am. This is what I do. And, you know, I, 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 I'm not ready to, like, you know, for you to show me how I really could have a much better religious eternal life. It's, 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 it's not for me. This is who I am. So we're much more, I think, like walled in by our behavior. I, I, I identify I with our behavior, and I'm not, and I'm wondering why. But but I think that I think generally speaking, when we're talking about emotional topics, people react that way. I could be wrong, but when you're talking like when people get into like domestic fights, sometimes people may say like, "This is who I am. Why do you like like Why are you bothering me about this? This is just who I am." That, that's something that someone will say yeah. like. Like, I can't take out the garbage. This is who I am. I'm lazy. Or like, why are you bothering me about raising my kids? This is how this is how I raise my kids. Or with COVID, you see it all the time. Like, you, you, you show someone a contradictory thing, like, about, like, someone's anxiety or, or, or lack of anxiety or masks, no masks, et cetera. And then, like, what do you want from me? I can't. Uh, I need to live my life. Or, like, like, there's no people, when it comes to an emotional topic, will dispel logic in the face of one of these write-offs in order to, I think it's just with a religion, it, it could get emotional. It, very quickly. it could depend That's a lot who it's coming from. Let's take, for example, your doctor will explain to you why there are certain lifestyle changes that really would be could die to make. I think you'd be, you know, willing to listen to him even though you know that it's not going to be easy and you may not be ready to do it right away. But if he explains to you why it really pays to cut out the sugar and start exercising and get a decent night's sleep, etc., you'd be very appreciative of that information. You'd respect it. You'd listen to it. And you'd see if you could find a way how to utilize it to your benefit. So I would, I would have, I would hope that in the spiritual world there will be a similar thing. If there's a presentation how your your eternal life could be even better, and even your daily life could be better. Okay, it's not going to expect it to be instantaneous, but there's a there's a road, there's a path, there's a there's a way to go that you can really have it much better than the way it is right now may require some changes yeah but overall you're going to benefit the, the presentation is it's going to be good for you it's not coming from somebody who you're you know is annoying you it's coming from somebody who you trust who you respect but still to say i can't embrace that i can't buy into that that's not me you're lucky. You can buy into that because you don't have these challenges. <laughs> Nobody knows what challenges who has, but that was the personal assumption. Like, you know, you're spared from some of these things that many of us have to struggle with. Yeah, Rabbi, I was, I actually thought, I've been thinking about this. I feel like identity there's like is there's like a lot more identity than actions. 
I feel like, you know, identity could be very broad. I feel like, I mean, I feel like, you know, maybe I'm a little superficial, but I feel superficial things could be part of someone's identity. Like, I think identity is like a sort of not just actions. Like, I think actions are part of identity, but I think it's also values and uh, strengths, weaknesses, and um, style of clothing that that a person wears, uh, hobbies they pursue, interests. I mean, I, I might be wrong. Like I'm a little, I might be a little bit more open-minded than I than I have been in the past. But like, I just, yeah, I think it's more along those long lines. I don't think, I mean, I know like I, I heard what Rabbi May was saying that the Torah seems to identify people by either uh, character traits or or whether someone's evil or good or you know something like that. But I feel like. Nowadays, something that I could relate to more is something more along the lines of what I was saying before. So, so how do you understand if it's true that people do tend to identify much more with their actions than with their core self, with their values, with the causes of the actions? What's, where well, are the actions coming from? Well, you know, right. the ones they desire for themselves those are coming from a very pure place. The ones they don't desire for themselves, those are coming from a weaker or more superficial place, coming from the physical aspect of the person. Did anybody say about themselves that they're essentially physical? I mean, those that have enough understanding know that no, the person is essentially spiritual, but there also has to be a physical component to give him good challenges. But nevertheless, when it comes to, you know, thinking about myself, who I am, it's going to be, you know, I do this, I do this, this is how I dress, this is how I act, I, you know, I watch movies only at home, not in the theater. <laughs> I, I organize my, 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 my definition of myself around the things that I do. I go to Minion, I learn, I learn Dafyomi, you know. I, I define myself based on the things that I do in the spiritual world, but not, not so much about what's really underlying it. Rabbi, I know, but I don't think that that doesn't mean people are right. People do... I mean, right. I think I'm, do, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what that's all about, why that's happening. You could say simply, it's much more... Why dangerous. people identify it? Why, why that? Most people don't understand themselves. I don't right. know, most. A lot of people that, that do that could be that they don't understand themselves. I agree 100%. That's what I was saying. I, I think we're saying very, something very similar that lies more within a person's, you know, uh, strengths and weaknesses. And, and I, I feel like, you know, a big part of identity could be someone's mission in life, you know? 100%. 100%. That, that doesn't mean, that doesn't necessarily mean actions. That can mean you know, something like uh, a strength, like I feel, you know, something like that. Absolutely. Well, hold, let's hold that thought. Yoni, you wanted to say something? Yeah, at, another thing that in the, in the city of identity that has bothered me in the past, which I've seen in myself and maybe in others, is that 
sometimes you'll act to keep your identity. For example, let's say your personality wants to be one way, but your parents or your society projects a certain identity that you need to act by. So you'll, you'll, put, you'll put aside how you really want to act or how, what's really important to your inside in order to fit that identity because being part of that identity is so important to me. So meaning it's really, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a part B to your question, like the question of why one needs to identify themselves. And then what I think I'm adding, I think, I don't know, is that a part two, a part B to that question is why is that identity so strong that sometimes a person will go against their internal personality to fit the identity of, or the label that others put on him or that the label that, was ingrained to be important to him. Well, isn't that uh, uh, essentially most likely because I don't want to lose their esteem. I don't want to lose their acceptance of me. If but they are expecting me to they, be acting. So I agree to that, but but sometimes it's just between me, me and myself in the room, meaning a lot of times a person acts a certain way because they want, they they'd want that label to exist to be that way not not because oh, meaning cause, cause, not 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 just right. because other people see it but like they themselves somehow define right, that because we, we know because we know for ourselves that we need <laughs> to maintain that to maintain our good behavior i have to continue looking at myself as a ben torah as a khushiv and magid shir pardon the expression as a way of keeping myself in line because what's helping me to maintain proper behavior is that I don't want to be contradiction to that role that I have or that view that people have of me. So I also have to buy into it as a way of helping myself stay, you know, towing the straight and narrow path. So that has a, a you know, a benefit, but like you're saying, is not necessarily the, the best good reason, and it's not going to work so well in all circumstances, and it's not of the, the real, true internal connection. I'm doing this to maintain the persona that I have put upon myself, because I know that it's helpful. But it's still not a real personal connection. Do you think that but, that makes sense. That makes sense, Johnny. Yeah, hundred percent. But but like to me, it, it it's beyond just spiritual. Meaning, sometimes a person will say, "I'm just I'm that type of guy." You know, like Dovi was saying earlier, like I'm that type of guy. Meaning, like that they have to keep a certain type of guy. Like where where in their mind did they have to define the type of guy that they had to fit into? When oh. when they ever when did they ever become exercise of that? This oh. is the, why can't I be a type of guy? <laughs> That that's not a type of guy, well, which, which is a different type of guy. But well, just say, you know, it sounds like it sounds like what 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 you're touching on is that a person needs some identity, and sometimes we sort of allow others, especially if we start at a young age, to be the ones to form it for us, and then we just sort of work with it, and we allow it to to remain in place without ever really searching ourselves for what is really our own personal truth. If we're not conditioned, not properly directed and educated to be searching, to be searching and striving for truth, 
So it's very easy to fall into the comfort zone of, okay, this is what, how I've been labeled. And that's how I'm going to, you know, operate based on that label that has been stamped on me. I think that could happen. Go ahead, Zach. Do you think that maybe a large part of this stems from not um, understanding and connecting with the physical parts of ourselves? That the, like you were just saying that we, um, we all know that there's this spiritual part of ourselves. Um, and we tend to focus on that as a part of our identity. And I feel mm -hmm. like there isn't much emphasis placed on the physical part of your identity, even if that's not the same nature as, as, as the spiritual part, but it's definitely there. And then well, there so isn't really, how, how, so when I, do, when I do something of a physical nature, if I mess up, there's nowhere for that to attach to. It creates an incompatibility. Uh-huh. I hear right. That that definitely could be sort of like um, if we have if we're not accepting of the the our entire entire self, so then it could be more sort of split off adversarial cause for shame, etc. I think so, Robert, as, as, what, is, what, what, what do you think is, is the Yeah, as we're that? talking, I think uh, I'm, I'm starting to, to believe a little better. I hope it's right. I think essentially we're looking for like a, a, a way of establishing a sense of self-worth in a spiritual sense. We're, we're always worried, you know, by nature or by whatever conditions that produce that. Am I good enough? Am I okay? <coughs> Where do I fit in? Am I a good Jew? Am I not a good Jew? So we need to sort of establish parameters for ourselves that we could be comfortable with to be able to be okay, like this is where I am, and we try to be accepting of ourselves as being okay through or in the arena that we could feel that we are we are good. We we can't allow ourselves to be in a state where if I'm acting not go according to the Torah, I'm going to be labeling myself as bad, evil, not good, worthy of rejection. So if we are in fear sort of, of that kind of a self-condemnation and or and by and another flip side in need of some kind of self-validation. So I need to, to identify, oh, I do these good behaviors. So then that makes me a good Jew. Or if I'm doing other behaviors, then I could define it as like, okay, I don't do those things. That's not part of my, my religious structure. So it doesn't have to trouble me. But essentially, uh, a desire for establishment of basic self-worth. That I use my good behavior as the means of affirming it of measuring it, of judging it. Okay, how can I judge that I am good enough? 
in the religious arena, which is a very important one. How can I be okay with myself and feel I'm okay, I'm good enough, I'm successful enough? Oh, okay, if I do these good things, that will be adequate to define myself as good, and I'll be able to give myself a sort of a passing grade in the spiritual arena. And things that might go against that, I have to find a way how to label it out of the way. Okay, I'm somebody who does that, and now it doesn't have to bother me, because that's what I do, and that's it. I'm not going to be in constant um, sort of vulnerability of telling myself, look what you're doing, you're not good, you're no good. But by contrast, if I would be embracing my entire self and realize that there are powerful forces in a person, there is the force of the, the physical with all of its aspects, there is the force of the spiritual, and it's okay for it to be there, if I would realize that I don't need to use my behavior as a means of judging myself to be okay. Just like Hashem doesn't need it. Just like Hashem doesn't use it. Because we're not starting off like grow with nothing and trying to establish a sense of worth. Not in Hashem's eyes. In Hashem's eyes, the Nishmas Yisrael is of infinite worth. This is the highest, highest place uh, under the Kisya covered, or maybe above, who knows where it is. <laughs> it's all the way up there. So that's, of course, you know, very lofty. But if we're not in touch with that, if we're not in touch with our true essence, so then we're very prone and naturally, like in many areas, very prone to needing to establish to ourselves that we are good enough. That we are worthy of Hashem's acceptance. Oh, how can I measure that? How can I know that about myself? Oh, I'm doing these good things. Okay, that, that qualifies for my being able to judge myself as okay. Nahu? Yes. Go ahead. Um, I just wanted to like, I guess discuss. There is also... Um, like in other aspects of life, you know, there's, let's say, um, let's say a value of productivity. And if someone feels like he's being more productive, it's something that he can like judge himself based on that. And, and it's in a lot of other areas. Like, what did I do today? I did this and this and this and that. And okay, I was being productive. And it's also, it's also a way of, it's some, I guess, this, scale or or I don't remember the word we're using before but um, like some established uh, organized values that based on them I can uh, you know it's very comfortable to be able to judge myself based on that and I think like it's in a lot of other areas I don't know why meaning is that something specific about religion or just in religion, it comes out much more because we have a certain view on that, that, that all religion is, uh, or a big part of religion is good, bad, right, wrong. And we may, uh, there's a tendency to, when we look for, for some established 
thing of values that we just use, we automatically connect it with religion because like it just fits. We don't have to like start looking and well, to, to the people that have religion, um, it could be much more powerful and the stakes are higher because it has to do with, you know, Hashem's judgment. So, um, you know, and also the religious society puts a lot of emphasis on that. So one who is exposed to that is bound to give that a big place in their assessment of their self-worth they may know this you know enough to understand that things that are materialistic and that are very temporary they are not the measure of a person but they may still look to tangible things as a way of measuring and they may still be involved in measuring certainly you can't use very subtle, intangible things. A person can't measure his level of Avas Yisrael, can't measure his level of U.S. Shemayim, can't level his measure of humility. Only the Torah could say, yes, Moshe is under Mikol Adam. But we can't know of ourselves how we're doing in the areas of the lave. You know, do I have, how much bitachin do I have in Hashem? These are not tangible things, so they cannot be used. So they become sort of minimized the more tangible physical things become focused on. They, they become the focus of my judgment of myself, which, of course, I'll project upon Hashem. Once I project my judgment of myself upon Hashem, then I will stamp it with the approval of absolute truth, because how Hashem looks at something is absolute truth. So if I think I'm a bad Jew, and I think Hashem looks at me that way, so then that's, <laughs> that's affirmed in the most powerful way. So that is not an option. <laughs> so I have to find some way how to avoid that or to establish some functional sense of self-worth in that regard. But that whole endeavor is really incorrect and unnecessary. What would be the alternative? <laughs> uh, very good, very good. That you have to listen to a lot of the past. No, no. But really, to, to put in a nutshell, of course, is to realize that the person is not subject, is not in need of measurement. It's an innate, infinite potential and just has to actualize it. He has given the capacity to achieve the ultimate maximum good and now go do it. <laughs> Oh, I didn't do it enough. Okay, I should, I should want to do more. I could do more. Vada, do more and more. And he, he rises to a high level and realizes, oh, I'm still at the beginning. That's how it's supposed to be, says the Keep on, keep on striking. But it's not a matter of I'm not going to be occupied with, am I good enough? Am I not good enough? Is Hashem happy with me? Is Hashem not happy with me? Is Hashem accepting of me, not accepting of me? David still loves the every yid. He's given the shama. Even if he's Russia called Yamav, he could do chuba and masak and everything. Ebish is not chafet to misas to reshoim. Only wants the the chuba and and and, and their, their their greatest aliyah. Wants him to come back and, and give him greater closeness than ever before. So there's nothing a person can ever do to make himself lose that desire of Hashem for him to reach his shlemus, and his potential is 
of, of, of unlimited nature, and he has all the ability, with all the challenges, to go fulfill it. That's all there is. But all the occupation of measurement is coming from a, uh, a very powerful weakness in a person that we also need to be aware of. Oh, this is one of the most powerful challenges and pitfalls that we have, that we find ourselves in need of uh, and pulled to find ways to measure ourselves as being good enough. And not from an objective desire to be truthful and be aware, then it would take in everything. Then we would try to be aware of, of everything that we're doing. I'll be able to be accepting of our, our shortcomings and realize that's our job to work on it. That's our tough kit. And so we wouldn't have to explain it away. Looking towards um, good things that we're doing as a means of self-affirmation. We're looking at it as like opportunities. Oh, here's the way to connect to Hashem. Here's another way. What other ways can I find? What are the ways that I could find that are not so easy for me, where I'm not so successful? Because those are going to be even more powerful. Like I think it's from the Rizal, from the Rizal, that a person's greatest area of weakness, that's his main topic. That's where he'll reach the Shlemus in, in the most powerful way. That's what Hashem said to the Goyim. Each one, what they what they were weakest in. Because that's how they will really achieve their tachlis. By Eislev overcoming the Ritzicha, by Ishmael overcoming the Geneva, and by, by Muhammad and Moiv overcoming the Arayis. That's exactly what they needed to hear in the Torah. They wanted to know, this is what it says in the Torah. The, the, the Kayak to overcome your greatest weakness. But somehow they, uh, they didn't want to hear that, so they didn't hear that message. But then... It won't be a, a cause of, of self-negation. It will be only as a means of, oh, this is my tafkit. Can I accomplish it in an instant? Of course not. But step by step, you can make progress. So, Rabbi, so what's, the, uh, what's the correct way to identify oneself? <laughs> the way Hashem identifies you. Which is? Chaviv Adam Shenivra B'Tselem. Yeah, cherished uh, only child who was chosen to be the one to carry out Hashem's loving mission of kindness. <laughs> He's Avinu Malkeinu. We are Banav Avada. We are the chosen crown prince, beloved, gifted messenger emissary to carry out all the good that Hashem wants us to have. But that's not very personal. That's like a general Jewish... Oh, very good, very good. Each person has a unique share in that, a unique form of it. His own personal share in Torah, the Gros says. But he has his own unique avodah, his neshama, his mission, his challenges, his life circumstances, it's like a garden filled with, with millions of flowers that no two of them are exactly alike. All right, I feel you. <laughs> right, but, but so that's similar to, yeah, that's similar and to if he doesn't, And if he doesn't listen, he goes to hell. If the patient needs very, very serious surgery, the good doctor is going to give him the surgery that he needs, not going to just abandon him. Not going to walk out on him. He's going to stick with him and give him that surgery. 
Well, you don't have to worry about that. Wait, this is, yeah. Why can't why can't physical give it a thought because it's gonna this gonna divert you to bad thoughts. Normit Simcha, Normit Simcha, Shapiro said. Normit Simcha. Yes, Ayulay. What? Why can't superficial things be part of that identity? I mean, that's part of. I feel like that's part of a person's soul. Oh, so now, yes. Like so what? in terms of wait, wait, wait. Please. I was thinking about this. Yeah. And it's like, <clears throat> what inspires certain people to go after a certain style of clothing? Or you know, Tom like Ray, yeah. Yeah, everybody has their nature. Um, that is that is an aspect of personality, and it's true that personality plays into a person's Torah learning and a person's avodas Hashem. Their unique personality definitely plays a role, and it's supposed to be utilized, not supposed to be discounted and disrespected. Masha Liber Chafetz. Says, that's where a person will be able to find his unique share in Torah in the place the rabbi writes that his most beloved part of Torah learning is in Yone Amuna. the rabbi is writing about himself that what he cherishes the most of all aspects of, of Torah is in Yone Amuna. Yeah. So that means if a person could know that, he has to pursue that. He has to respect that. So there is a place for that unique personality to play a role. And you're right that even the actions can play a role in sense of giving good respect to those accomplishments that we have made. But not as a means of measuring myself. Am I good enough? Am I okay? Is Hashem okay with me? But as a means of celebration, oh, Baruch Hashem, Hashem helped me to succeed in this good way, to accomplish this good thing, to, to do the, make the right choices this time and that time. Everything is with Hashem's help. It's Hashem giving us the entire capacity for it. So it doesn't have to come to Gaiva. On the contrary, it should be a cause of deep appreciation and celebration and even greater humility. You're saying that the style of clothes I wear relates to the true nature of my existence? No, just part of my personality. Uh, what does personality like, mean? Not the personality, core, but it's an expression of my personality, which it's is not a, it's not a lack of 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 relatability, a lack of a true identity. Um, it could be both ways. It could be I'm trying to conform. Or it could be I have my my individual taste, so that that that's like like a window. Oh, you see, I have my in, in individual taste. I have my style. What does that show? That shows that I'm not the same as everybody else. By the same token, my davening is not the same. My learning is not the same. My munah is not the same. My ches is not the same. My kedusha is not the same. I'm different than everybody else. <laughs> In many, many ways. And here's one, one glimpse into that. I think Abishol says that even Basil Bashamai, in terms of being more Makbid, more Anvasan, it all had to do with personality, but it's playing out in their view of Taira, which was their MS. 
of course, you have to be open to what our Chaverim share with us. Who sometimes maybe our personality is going overboard. <laughs> like my still boy once asked Rashiva, let's say you have a chiddush and learning, and you know, all your Chaverim don't hear the svara, so should you be concerned? Maybe you know they just don't hear it. You know your personality is like that, and and theirs is like that, so they don't hear the svara. But you do hear the svara. And the Shiva said, if all your chaverim don't hear the svara, you have to be concerned. <laughs> so, you know, we should respect our personality, but also give some respect to feedback. I don't know what else I could say about that. But, um, okay, I think this is a good start for this topic. Anybody has anything to share uh, before we conclude? They're welcome. Um, <laughs> Does that mean you're done, or Moshe, you want to share? Mute. You're on mute. I'm done. Moshe, on mute. I'm out. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, I think... Uh, I, hope I hope we're partying on good terms. <laughs> okay. Okay, very good. But if not, you can let me know anytime. <laughs> okay, yes, Can I just ask one yes. last? Yes, Would you, can. if if you were fully, fully and truly in touch with with your identity and the 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 nature of your existence, the nature of your creation, you would no longer be judging yourself and you would no longer be searching for meaning oh you'd be searching for for meaning to actualize yourself but there would be there would be no place for for judging yourself the judge would only be am i really utilizing my abilities in a good way can i utilize them better let me see you know there's a place for nefesh to try to and to, to be cautious to be alert maybe i'm getting off track Maybe I'm what would, falling into wrong mind mindsets. What would that search for meaning be? Because you already know who you are. You oh, know your role. The, right. The search for meaning is not as a means of self-validation from 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 nothingness into something. No, it's taking something of infinite greatness and potential and trying to actualize it to its fullest capacity to bring about what Hashem has in mind. It's not an innate search. I'm like searching throughout the world to see how I can actualize myself. It's not a search to find myself. The, 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 the source is very well laid out in the Torah. We have a source of truth, a good reliable source of truth. Yeah, Rabbi so also lays out how to use it. It's not so simple, you know. <laughs> the day-to-day -day affairs are not so simple. But uh, we try our best and Hashem helps us. That's all we can hope for. But, you know, the, the, the foundation is secure. Now, it may take a while to really discover that and recognize that and see, sense that. But that's the, uh, that's the desire process. To connect with the Torah, with all the help that so goes together to connect with the Torah, 
have to let go of the of the self judgment. That may be hard to do. It's 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 very familiar to me. It's very ingrained in me. So I have to trust enough and believe, see enough, sense enough that it's worth letting go of that and letting something else take over. Okay, are you late? Yeah, we're. Why don't? What if if this is all true? Then, I mean, I was thinking maybe, like Moshe Rabbeinu, you could say that was his purpose. But it's still a little bit misleading, you know. If what you're saying is true, then why does the Torah identify people in that way? Oh, the Torah. When the Torah gives those um, titles of recognition. That is just making known to the Klal Yisrael, maybe even to the person himself, that he has reached that Maila. Chazal say, Hashem said, I gave greatness to Abraham, to Moshe and Aaron, to David, and they made themselves even more humble. What greatness did Hashem give? Hashem made them aware of the great spiritual level they achieved. Avinu was called Abraham Moin be the forefather of cholesterol, and in a sense, the father of the whole world. Moshe and Aaron, they were given to be the Kabbalah to be a kind Gadol. David Melech was giving, given Malchus, not for his, for his own personal benefit, is to be the one to lead the cholesterol. It's a spiritual Maila. So they're given this greatness which shows them what they achieved, which they need to know to actualize it even more and more. And their response was to appreciate Hashem's enabling them to reach that and becoming even more humble. So someone compares it to an honor you received an enormous gift from the Ashir. feels even more humble. So even though these tzaddikim are using their Bechira in a very good way, but they still recognize Hashem gave me this capacity to come close to Him. What a gift. How indebted I am. How appreciative I am. So that's what it's all about in the Torah. The Chorah. Okay. Yashakayach Rabbi Sayyid.